0: And welcome to Season 2 of Two Marks and a Mic. I'm Phil. And I'm Joe. Today we're going to be talking about Brett the Hitman Heart.
1: I think it's just going to be a great spotlight to start the new season. Thank you for everybody stuck with us and we got some new equipment. Thanks to Phil and
0: we're, we're ready to rock, man. Thanks for being patient with us and, and sticking with us while I moved and got a house and got some new equipment. So we, uh, Everybody knows who Brett the Hitman Hart is, but he was, was born to the Hart family. Uh, his father was Stu and his uh, mother was Helen. He's, a young, he's like, want to say middle of like 12 children. Yeah, he's a lot. Yeah, he's I a mean, lot. Apparently, they don't have TV in Canada. <laughs> you know, and everybody knows his brother Owen. I think those are the two, probably the most two famous hearts is, is Brett and Owen.
1: Yeah, and you would definitely um uh, once they kinda started interjecting some more of his brothers and storylines with the heat between him and Owen. Uh you saw like Keith and you know a few other ones come in there. But yeah, that was obviously the two.
0: I think I would say that Brent's probably the most accomplished heart. Definitely the most well known. I feel that, you know, he was he was a great technical wrestler, but he could also slug it out too.
1: And I thought getting him out of the tag team role, you really got to hone in on his skills and really see what he brings to this table, as far as his you know dungeon type background,
0: I think just the way Stu trained him, it was very very hard and a lot of stretching. A lot of, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Getting out and stretching him out and making him actually his debut. He debuted in 1976 as a referee for his father. Two years later, he actually debuted as a wrestler. It was Stampede Wrestling in Calgary, Alberta. He came up the hard way, like I think we discussed in the Jericho episode of those people that just don't come up that way anymore. I think there was a blur of reality and kayfabe with Brett sure him and jim the anvil Nightheart were uh were a, a really good tag team and they worked well together and I, I don't know if they were brother-in-laws then or not
1: i'm not sure but i do know you would kind of even with the heart foundation i always thought it was interesting that they would always kind of give a little singles nod to brett here and there for example he won the battle royal wrestlemania one mm-hmm. um which out of all the guys in there in that time and he wasn't obviously the biggest and. He was on a tag team, so he didn't have individual spotlight on him. I always thought that was kind of interesting. As far as, yeah, his kayfabeness and his almost ego side of Brett, I think really came out later in his career. But, yeah, I I, I definitely, yeah, he was definitely kind of caught up in his own mind.
0: Brett was very much a a loner. He traveled alone. He did everything alone. Trying to think of some of the feuds that he had off top. You know, you had Jerry Lawler comes to mind. That was more of a ha-ha kind of feud. Yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin. He actually I mean, I think if it wasn't a Bret Hart, we may not have Stone Cold.
1: I agree. And I also think that a lot of the a lot of his feuds kind of helped to transition from that tag team uh persona of Bret Hart. I remember kind of he he when they started giving him a singles push, they pretty much right away started putting him into the IC run and that's when he beat the Mounty, I believe the fur was it the first time. Oh no, perfect. Yeah. Perfect I- in SummerSlam ninety one. I believe so. 90? Yeah. One of the two. 100. I mean, that was a great match. But. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, that was one of the better matches, and even especially with Kurt being hurt like he was, mm. with his back being all jacked up. I mean, that that was one of the. I mean, back then you have to remember we've said it before that the IC title was the workhorse title. You I know, agree. The you know, like you, when you had guys like Hogan having the strap, the main strap. Uh, you know, he was he was mid carding it because he wanted to get back to the hotel before they quit serving room service because. He couldn't go out to eat, you know? Yeah. So... The the
1: IC strap is definitely the other guy title.
0: And in my opinion, yeah, the the WWE or WWF title back then was for the main event guy. If you were a true worker, I felt that you you had to have the IC strap first.
1: I do agree. And so a lot of the IC titles he had, you know, with with Perfect and then with Mountie and Piper, and it's just... He, by that point, there was so much heat coming off him that it was an easy transition going into the heavyweight title, which at that point, you know, they, he was probably one of the more smaller guys to hold it at that time.
0: He beat Ric Flair for it. You know, and I guess for after that point, it never stopped being real for him.
1: And I also think, too, that maybe at that point, especially later in his career where, he you know, he didn't have – Davy boy and he didn't have Owen anymore and he didn't I think at that time all you had was your family especially when you're that big of a wrestling family his whole career that's that's who he's had so I can see that whole like loner aspect of him
0: do you like Brett as a wrestler and years ago there was an interview that I saw with Triple H and William, William Regal they said when you wrestle somebody you have to sometimes bring them up to your level and Brett could always do that Sure. The only downfall that I saw to his style of wrestling was when he got in that groove, you could pretty much know what moves coming next, whether it be a side Russian leg sweep, the elbow off the second turnbuckle, uh, uh, the backbreaker, and,
1: and the same thing with his with the way he sold bumps too. You know when so he took that turnbuckle, he would take that turnbuckle hit
0: when he would do that chest first turnbuckle. Yeah, yeah that was I don't know how he didn't crack something doing <laughs> it's that.
1: Insane. Yeah, insane. I've liked. Um, Obviously, his his feud with Owen was was pretty nuts. And I guess when you see hindsight 2020 now and you look back 30 years later Mm. of what they were doing at that time, you know, I mean, it's uh, the average person at that time. It could almost look like even though Brett was in the in the main event at that time, it still was two, quote, mid carters, you know, having a feud. And if you look back now, I mean, it's just tremendous. Some of the stuff they're putting on. Their even their their cage match they had you know at uh I just watched it too, uh, SummerSlam? SummerSlam yeah, yeah. they had, and it was it was awesome I mean so one one of my favorite feuds of his for sure besides Stone Cold
0: well let's see and the other thing is when you have your actual biological brother across the ring from you. You yeah. know the trust is one hundred percent there. So you don't have to necessarily worry about is this guy gonna take care of me? Is he gonna is he trying to sabotage me? Whatever, you know what I mean? So being able to have your your little flesh and blood across the ring from you is gotta be a great help.
1: And those two always knew where they were in the ring at all times. And you always see that individually with their own matches as well as with each other. I mean they always knew where they were in that ring.
0: Their match at WrestleMania ten, phenomenal. Um, the Iron Man match with him and Shawn Michaels—that had never been done before, so that was a first. Granted, it wasn't necessarily the, the fast-paced kind of match; it had its moments. But when you're going for 60 minutes, you really need to pace yourself. It was a good match, you know. It was just something for something different that Vince could do to to draw people.
1: I definitely think that, um, especially I remember watching it and thinking that this definitely isn't delivering in the wow department. But as if you look back now, as far as bringing adding to their feud, as far as having a draw, a zero zero draw at the end of a 60 minute regulation coming in with the extra overtime must be a winner, yada, yada, yada. But Mm -hmm. to have that draw of 60 minutes. Almost like, hey, these are the two best guys in the business who can't even beat each other in an hour so. Right, and that was another point that... But yeah. it was lackluster for sure. Yeah,
0: well, I mean, and that was the thing is it was a pure wrestling match. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't a, a lot of high spots. It wasn't like a Young Bucks match. For sure. You know, where it's mania, you know what I mean? And right. It was just, <laughs> so... I, you know, and, and, and that's no disrespect to the... Actually, it is disrespect to the Young Bucks. I suck. Mm. You know, but like I said, it was a pure wrestling match, but that truly, I think that was the, the spark that started the fire of of their hatred for one another. But it depends on who you listen to. If you're Camp Michaels or Camp Hart, you know, it was Sean started it, or then Brett started it. You know, it doesn't really matter because it's all dirt sheet. But, uh, yeah. But now they've buried the hatchet. You, you pick who you like, and then you go from there. This isn't Dark Side of the Ring.
1: Especially back then, it was... From looking at it then when it was happening, it almost looked like michaels was the dick but then if you look back and you are just like well i mean at the way the whole wrestling business is it's like Hart was kind of being a a dick and i I also i understand that maybe you know where brett didn't want to drop the belt in montreal and whatever um whatever at that point it's just i don't know i obviously i think it could have that could have been his excuse of why maybe he was started being difficult but I don't want to speak for him, but, I mean, who knows what was going on through his mind during that time and the losses that he suffered and in general of, like, with his family and through the industry. Yeah, I, there's no telling where his mindset was at back then.
0: Right. Well, that was all pre-Owen's death anyways, but, I mean, it's still – it do, I'm sure it didn't help his decision at all, whether him staying early. I mean, he was mm-hmm. gone by the time that happened anyways. Mm-hmm. But um, we'll touch on Owen's death here in a minute. Actually, you know what? We'll save that for a whole other episode. Go, to go back a little bit, you mentioned his uh, his match with Roddy Piper at WrestleMania 8. Mm-hmm. One of my all-time favorite matches. Yeah. They, they were friends. They know each other for a long time. I know. Anyways, after the um, the Montreal Screwjob incident, um, he decided he was going to jump ship and go to WCW. He did, and it was even worse than his time in WWE. Yeah. WCW would not give him his time to air his grievances. So he went on the, the Tonight Show with Jay Leno and that's where he really said, you know what, I'm s- I'm mad about what WWF did to me and I'm mad about what WCW didn't do to sure. me he when he wrestled Goldberg he um got kicked in the head and it made it to where he didn't want to wrestle anymore cuz i don't think he felt safe and
1: it's definitely a shame um one of the why you are talking with feuds too and i i think this is also kind of a sleeper feud i know we're kind of backtracking a little bit but his his feud with Backlund was cuz you know it ended up that's he lost he lost dropped the first time he dropped the title was the backlund you know yeah, so it was
0: it was a an i quit match yeah no it, it was it was supposed to be an i quit the- submission match and his mom wound up throwing the towel in old because Owen, Owen convinced yep. her to do so. And it was Survivor Series. Yeah, Owen. oh, it was a Survivor Series. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Survivor Series 92, 93, whatever. Yeah. And then that, that's right. Then Backlund dropped the title to Nash in eight seconds. Yeah, yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, so some of his accomplishments was, you know, multiple-time Intercontinental title holder. Tag team titles. Tag team titles. Uh, WWE champion. You know, I mean, all around, I just think that Brett, you know, he was a great wrestler. He he was just, a, he was a solid guy that I think that you could depend on to deliver in most cases. I guess if it, you know, like you said, he didn't, there was a reason, we we'll never know the reason why he didn't want to drop the belt to Sean in Montreal that night.
1: Yeah, who knows what was going on back yeah. then. You all hear the stories, and like you said, it's all dirt sheet speculation stuff, so.
0: Yeah, it's pointless to sit here and talk about it because it, it's it's been talked about, and over and over again. But
1: I think also one thing that I've always appreciated about Brett kind of piggybacks off what you said about how he would bring people up levels in the ring. I mean, he God, he had awesome feuds with Diesel. He had awesome feuds with Undertaker. He had, I mean, it was just when he was his championship reign, they really put him in, quote, face guys or bigger guys and more popular guys, too. And mm. yeah, he just had great matches.
0: Oh. And then you have his match with Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania 13. Yeah. That's the match that made Austin. That was one of the few matches that was actually a double turn where you had Austin go I mean but if you could say Austin was a face whatever right. another podcast that was definitely Brett going straight heel. Oh absolutely. And, and, and the amount of heat that he got when they did the 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 the, the, the Canadian Invasion angle in in like 96 97ish mm-hmm. that was a fantastic angle that him and Sean and those guys ran. I just think his career was stellar, you know. I don't think he's ever had Oh, you know what what match really <laughs> sticks to my mind is uh the match with him and Davy boy at SummerSlam yeah in Wimbledon, in Wimbledon Stadium yeah that was a that was an amazing match and it was it was a back and forth it was a really good battle I, you know like I said his, his matches speak for themselves
1: and there was so much hype going into that because that was kind of still the era of the four pay-per-views a year era so you had huge build-up coming out of like Royal Rumble time into SummerSlam when they announced that SummerSlam was going to be at Wembley. And I feel like for months, they just played it as the big feud. I mean, you you would think you have the IC strap is going to be the main event of a SummerSlam because of just the magnitude of the two guys that were in there. And right. obviously, Davey got the push for where it was. But that, that, that match was awesome. He also uh, was 93 King of the Ring the first time they did the King of the Ring. He was the
0: first uh, winner of the King of the Ring tournament. Yeah, he's two-time Hall of Famer just for his own and then for, for the Hart Foundation but I think that's going to probably wrap this one up. His, his career spans so much, and it's just hard to fit into a 15-, 20-minute podcast. Yeah, I agree. And um, everybody knows Bret Hart. But yet again, thanks for sticking with us, and uh, we'll try to crank these out a little bit more consistently. And if you got any questions for us, you can email us at two marks and a mic at gmail, or you can uh, hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're thanks. all over. Yeah, thanks for listening.